for you daily. We want to pray specifically for you. So please let us know how we can be praying for you by filling that out for us. And then also, if you want to know more about the different ministries that are taking place here at Woodland, select the ministry page there, and you can go through and see what's going on in the children's ministry, the youth ministry, and the adults as well. There is so much, and we want to be sure that you know about and are a part of all of those things. But, you know, I think it's just about... Time for us to start our show. Get out of here. Yeah, I see some students running around. I got to go handle that. Hey, be sure you click share and like if you're watching us on social media today. So let's go join the service and celebrate God's love.
you glad we worship an everlasting God this morning? to worship with Jesus this morning. Lord, you've searched for us. You've searched for our hearts and our soul, and you've 
brought us into you. You have called us to you and to your word. You know the way for us, Jesus. Let's sing this with me. Oh Lord, you searched me. And oh Lord, you searched me.
Amen. Thank you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray this morning as we get ready to take communion. Father, as we hold this cup and bread in our hands, God, we are reminded of Jesus' death. Lord, that's why we're here. It's because of what Christ did at Calvary. God, that we are able to stand here today. And so, God, this morning, as we just pause to remember what Jesus did, God, we pause to say thank you and to say we love you. And God, as we hold the bread in our hands this morning, God, we're reminded that this bread represents Jesus' body that was broken and bruised for us. And God, the word says that by his stripes we are healed. And so I pray today for those that are in need of a healing today. God, that you would reach down, that you would touch them and do what only you can do, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's break the bread and partake together. And God, as we hold this cup in our hands, we're reminded that this cup represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. And God, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. And, and so Jesus' blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. And God, I marvel that you stepped in and did what you could only do because you loved us so much. And so, God, I thank you. I thank you for your forgiveness. God, that you sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be forgiven. So that a relationship could be restored today. And Lord, this morning, we just pause and thank you for that. God, we thank you that you are good and that you love us and that you've forgiven us. Let's partake together today. Father, we do thank you for all the blessings you've given us. God, we thank you for your love that never fails. God, we thank you that we can have a relationship with you. And Lord, as we continue to worship you and as we continue to pray, Lord, we come to you right now with needs that are on our hearts. Lord, we lift up to you those in our, our church family that are struggling with COVID right now. 
Lord, we ask that you would come and that you would touch them and bring healing. Lord, that you would begin to restore their health. God, that you would open up airways that they'd be able to breathe once again, God, clearly and easily. Lord, touch their body. May they be able to smell and taste food once again. And God, may they have energy and strength. God, may you restore their health. Lord, for those that are struggling with cancer right now, will you continue to pray for them? And we ask that you would touch them and bring healing. Lord, that you would shrink tumors and dissolve cancer cells. God, may you do an incredible work and bring healing to their body. And may we hear the doctor's report that says there is no trace whatsoever of cancer. God, we will thank you and we'll give you praise for that. Lord, we lift up to you other needs right now. Lord, whether they're physical, God, for those that need touch, whether it's got heart issues, whether it's viral issues, God, whatever it is, Lord, you have the answer. And so we come to you, the God who heals, and ask, touch your people today and bring healing. Lord, we lift up to you this family that just lost a loved one, and we pray right now, God, that you would surround this family with your peace and comfort. God, as they know that, that he is in the presence with you right now, rejoicing and celebrating. God, may you touch this family. God, may you bring comfort and joy. And God, may all of us know, God, as we just celebrated communion, Lord, that one day you're coming back and that we will get to spend eternity with you. God, and rejoice in your presence. And so, Father, I pray, God, may we just continue to be reminded of that each and every day, and may we live passionately for you, telling the world who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, will you be seated this morning and turn your attention to the screen behind me for some announcements. Welcome to Fall Fest Sunday. We are so glad you're here. We have so many exciting things planned for the afternoon. I hear there's going to be food. There's going to be barbecue. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Uh, donuts and apple cider. Keep going. Candy. Is there going to be candy for adults? I'm just asking for a friend. Only the really nice ones. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Candy all around <laughs> and games and inflatables and even games us grown-ups will enjoy. So, hang around immediately following the service today. <laughs> Afternoon. It's going to be a great time, and you're going to want to make sure you be a part of that. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining with us today. And if you're watching online, thank you so much for joining. And we'd love for you to write a comment so that we know who's following along. And it'd also be wonderful if you share the feed with others right now so that they can join in worship with us today as well. Grab the Woodland app on your phone and check in. Check yourself in, and then you can check in your whole family. And if you're our guest today, you can check in on the app by downloading it or grab that card in the seat in front of you that says welcome. And let us know you're here. We have a gift for you at the crossing as you leave today. 
Yes, please allow us to say hi and introduce ourselves and give you that gift. We want to say thank you so much for joining with us today. Well, also, thank you so much for your faithfulness week in and week out in your giving. You know, here at Woodland, we've tried to make it really simple for you to give, and we just want you to find the way that you enjoy giving and stick with it. And so, whether it's through our app, whether it's texting or through our website, or if you're here today and you have an offering in your hand, you can always place it in the offering baskets following the service. I cannot believe it, but Thanksgiving is just around the corner. It is. I can't wait for some turkey and stuffing. <laughs> but, you know, we are going to have a Thanksgiving service on Tuesday, November 23rd. So make sure you mark it on your calendar and plan to attend that night. Yeah. I mean, somebody on that guest card is going to be able to put invited by you. So be sure you invite your friends and family to be part of that. And then the next week is our ladies' Christmas tea. Yeah, that's going to be a great night. It's almost like the kickoff to the holidays for me. Uh, for that evening, the tickets will go on sale next week. So keep your eyes and ears open. Yeah. Hi, family. Communication is so important. Reach in the seat in front of you if you're on campus and grab these communication cards and fill out the one that applies to you. If you're a regular, then grab that communication card and keep us up to date with all of your personal information. Prayer requests are very important to us. We want to be sure we're praying about the things that are important to you, but we also want to know your praise reports. So if you filled out a prayer request in the past and we've been praying for you and God has answered that prayer, write praise report across the top of that prayer request card and drop it into the offering or drop it off at the Welcome Center as you leave today. There's also an envelope there for your in-person giving. And if you're our guest, we want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. Grab this card and fill it out. Either hand it to an usher or give it to the Welcome Center in the lobby as you leave. You'll see the sign that says The Crossing. They have a gift for you just to say thanks for being our guest. Hey family, let's stay connected. One of the ways we reach out to our community is through our food pantry. Every Thanksgiving, we get phone calls from those in our community who are in need. And so we've come up with a solution to that problem. That's right, we've solved world hunger, and it starts with you. When you come to the crossing and pick up your Thanksgiving food basket, you can be a part of solving that. Take this list and go to the grocery store and purchase all the items on it, and then bring back this bag filled with the items you purchased by Sunday, November 21st, and you can be a part of solving world hunger. Well, at least for one family in our community. The joy of seeing a child open the boxes for the first time is just, it's incredible. We are so excited. Many of the children receive the shoe boxes for the first time in their life. We pray that these boxes will be used to bring a lot of happiness and joy, but more importantly, the gospel to each heart, all these little children around the world. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly. Oh my goodness! This is what these shoe boxes are all about, to go out and bring a hope of Jesus Christ around the world. I'm just so amazed at what God does each and every year. This is an opportunity to impact the lives of millions of children, just like you've seen. But we need more boxes for next year. Every box is an opportunity for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless each and every one. 
Hello, Woodland. As part of our pastor appreciation event this year, you will have the opportunity to meet the pastors. Each of our marvelous pastors and their amazing wives will be featured in video presentations that will allow them to be introduced to some and become better acquainted to others. This is a chance to even learn some things about them you did not know. This week we are featuring Pastor Corey and Jeanette Mance. Pastor Corey and Jeanette came to Woodland in 2015. They have served as youth pastors. Jeanette also serves in women's ministry and Pastor Corey in managing the church facilities. The Mances have two children, Braden and Ella. Pastor Corey was born in St. Paul, Minnesota. His favorite food is steak. Pastor Corey's favorite thing to do on a rainy day? Watch a movie. On a sunny day, his favorite thing to do would be to go on a bike ride with his family. Hawaii would be his favorite place to go. Most people don't know that Pastor Corey makes some of the most delicious banana nut bread you would ever taste. He also cannot stand glitter. Pastor Corey's favorite Bible scripture is Acts 4.13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. For a favorite song, Pastor Corey asked if the ESP PN theme song would count? Pastor Corey recalled how his own youth pastor had impacted him. That pastor loved God and loved students. He took time to invest in Pastor Corey's life. Through prayer and seeking God, Pastor Corey felt led to serve students in ministry. Pastor Corey said his most inspiring experience in ministry was when he, along with other church staff, went to pray for one of our members. The person was about to go in for cancer surgery. As they prayed, Pastor Corey could immediately see the calming effects of their prayer. Later that day, they learned that when the doctors went in for surgery, they couldn't find any cancer. God had healed him. For Pastor Corey, one of the most fulfilling aspects of ministry is when someone truly starts a relationship with God. He also said that hearing back from his students on how they are continuing to serve God is richly rewarding. Jeanette was born in Sault Ste. Marie in the UP. Her favorite foods are a delicious salad and chubby hubby ice cream. Jeanette's thing to do on a rainy day is to snuggle up with a good book and a comfy blanket. On a sunny day, her favorite thing is to enjoy the outdoors and a fun activity with her family. Mackinac Island would be her favorite place to go. Most people don't know that Jeanette lived and taught in the country of Macedonia for three years as a missionary associate. She loved it and people there were amazing. You may also not know that Jeanette has broken six bones. Jeanette's favorite Bible scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Her favorite songs are Waymaker and Amazing Grace. Jeanette said she has always had a heart for youth and has known that God wanted her to invest in their lives. Her journey as a youth leader began while she was in college. She has been involved with ministry to young people ever since. Her most inspiring experience in ministry was living and serving in Macedonia. God used Jeanette to reach out to teens and kids. He also showed her who she really was in him. Jeanette learned to trust in the Lord like no other and watch him supply all her needs. Jeanette said the most rewarding aspect of ministry is hearing how students they minister to are still serving the Lord and actively ministering or serving in their church. We praise God for Pastor Corey and Jeanette Mance. We honor them as God's anointed leaders given to us. Thank you, Jeanette and Pastor Corey. We appreciate all you do.
and continuing our pastor's appreciation event this year. Um, we will be, um, of course, we've been moving in the last few weeks through honoring our, our pastors and, uh, and, and appreciating them. The next, uh, the next portion of that, as you, you've gotten that communication out, uh, it was sent out to the congregation as far as our next steps. Um, next week, we will be recognizing uh, Pastor Dennis and Becky Clanton. Uh, next week will be the culminating event for our, our pastor appreciation event. We will also, the board members will present each of the pastors and their wives with gifts on behalf of the church. Um, and uh, we will also be taking up a, um, an offering for the pastors. We'll give everyone an opportunity to bless. We uh, honor our pastors and bless them. We want to take the opportunity to do that. Um, get things being what they are this year and with the, with the uh, continuing circulation of the pandemic, our pastors' appreciation event is a little different, but we do love and appreciate our pastors, don't we? Yes. So, and so we, this, we want to just remind you that next week is a celebration Sunday, our culminating event. Um, so please, but it doesn't have to stop there, Woodland. Please, wherever you see the opportunity to honor them, encourage them, thank them, please do so because we really want them to be appreciated and let them know how much we love them. Amen? Okay, thank you. Corey, Jeanette, would you guys stand along with Brayden and she over there? Yeah, it's your whole family. Stand with me. Let's give them a big hand. I, I love these guys so very much. Please pray for Corey today. He feels a little dead inside. But Rocky and Dave Pace, I'm sure, are having a lot of discussions in heaven today. Those of you who don't know, Rocky was a big MSU fan. Dave was a big Michigan fan. And um, poor Pastor Corey, I walked in today, and I felt like I needed to lay hands on him and anoint him and pray over him. Listen, I felt your pain many times. <laughs> but we love you so much. Once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. You guys will never stop being youth pastors, and you've affected so many students already in high school and college and here at our church as well today is the day that most of the world calls halloween we're going to have a big fall fest after the service today and enjoy you know treating our children but what most people don't realize is why this day is so important in the life of the church is 500 years ago Martin Luther published his 95 Theses. It was a hammer blow on the doors of the Wittenberg Church in, in Germany that literally shook the world. The church, like any group can do if it loses focus on its mission, had become corrupt. The church was really preaching salvation by works, if you didn't have enough works, you would end up in a place that's not even in the Bible called purgatory. There was some who saw that as a great way to raise money to build the cathedral in Rome. And so they came up and devised a way that's that same old thing you hear in so much of the world today where people try to use giving. And if we could bring up some more house lights this morning, I'd appreciate it. The, to, 
to raise money by saying, if you would give, then your relatives wouldn't have to spend as much time in purgatory. Luther was this young Augustinian monk that really wanted to know God, really wanted a relationship with God, but he was afraid of God. And when Luther discovered the message of grace in the book of Romans, it revolutionized his life. And you might look at Martin Luther and say, boy, what a success he was religiously as he brought more and more people into the kingdom as they realized it wasn't about how good you were, it's about how good God was at the cross. And I want to talk to you, we've been in this series called True North, and we've looked at how can we keep our lives, you know, pointed in the right direction and know truth. We've looked at how the Bible alone is the inspired, authoritative Word of God without error. We've looked at how Jesus Christ alone is Lord, and today we're going to look at another one of those onlys. We're going to look at what the Bible says about grace and why the Reformation emphasized not only Scripture alone, not only that, that, that Jesus was Lord alone, but why grace alone. There was a slave trader, successful slave trader, did whatever it took to be successful. His name was John Newton. And when John Newton became aware of just how sinful he was and where his soul was at, John Newton not only repented of his sins and was born again, but John Newton then actively began to to pursue by grace what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that led him to become a part of the fighting the slave trade. You've heard of William Wilberforce, I'm sure. Well, John Newton was his pastor. John Newton had so much influence on him. And he wrote this song, Amazing Grace. One of the lyrics in that song was, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. That song is still the number one song, the best-selling song around the world. Continuously, hundreds of years later, I've stood outside of bars sharing Jesus, picking up university students and bringing them home. And I've listened to drunks stagger out of bars singing at the top of their lungs, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I've worked as a mental health counselor and I've listened to people with real emotional and thinking problems, some psychological, some physical, and they would sing to the top of their lungs, amazing grace. I've sat in a beautiful cathedral in Jerusalem and sang it with pilgrims, amazing grace. But my favorite place to sing it is here with you this morning. And I'm going to ask if you would stand with me and let's just sing it to the Lord. And if you're a visitor with us this morning or you're watching online, please feel free to sing it with us. And you might notice some of us lift our hands. It's just an act of surrender and worship. The Bible calls upon us to lift up holy hands as we worship the Lord and pray. So help me sing this to the Lord this morning. Amazing grace. 
Tell him how much you love him this morning. As you stand in his presence, thank him for his grace today. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Days we've no less to sing God's praise, to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Our Father in heaven this morning, sometimes we take it for granted what a gift the copy of the scriptures are that we hold in our hands, we have on our devices. Lord, we forget what a gift it was that you sent Jesus Christ into this world to save us from our sins. And this morning, I pray that you will give us a greater appreciation, not only for the Word and for Jesus and for the glory of God, but Lord, for the grace of God that's been manifest to every single one of us. For it's in Jesus' holy name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. Well, turn around. It wouldn't be complete to love the Lord without loving each other. Just give a high five or if you're comfortable shaking hands or anything like that. But greet each other in the name of Jesus this morning. And then you can be seated. Thank you, sweetheart. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord one more hand of praise as you're being seated this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I... 
want to say thank you for the way you treated my mother while she was here. She has been singing your praises. I, she won't fly anymore, so I had to drive her to Georgia and then call a flight right back. And, Corey, I watched the ball game on the um, airplane coming back, and it was so funny. They had the game going, and you, the plane would either cheer or groan, according to who was ahead. And as we were landing in Detroit, the flight attendant came on and was saying, Welcome to Detroit. And at that time... The big blue was ahead, and she said, and go Michigan, and half the plane was cheering, and half the plane was booing. As we were pulling up to the gate, the Michigan State pulled ahead, as you know, and uh, the flight attendant got the microphone and said, I've changed my mind. Go Michigan State. Everybody loves a winner, don't they? Everybody wants to be a part of a winning family or a winning company or winning church, winning whatever. Last night, and I'm just tossing this in, last night my nephew's girls' softball team won the state championship of Georgia, beat the five-time state champions. The only team to go with a, with, a, with a completely winning record, and Josh called me and was so excited. The Atlanta Braves won last night, and the University of Georgia won last night. Everybody loves to win, right? You're kind of weak right there. You know, everybody loves a winner. And I've been thinking a lot lately as I get older and I stand in front of the mirror and I said to the Lord the other day, looking at my body, I said, you know, I'm to give you thanks and everything and I am grateful, but I'm looking at this body this morning and all it's communicating to me is I'm aging, I'm sagging, I'm slowly rotting and decaying. Now heaven is looking much more precious to me. And I'm looking there, and then I decide, well, do the best you can with what you got, you know. And so you just work hard at it. You exercise. You try to eat right. You do all the right things. I love to read about winners. I read a book about Steve Jobs. Anybody remember that name? Boy, wasn't he something, quite a character that he was. But he enjoyed a level of success so high that, you know, Writers and authors are having trouble finding a standard to compare him to. They talk about names like Thomas Edison and Henry Ford, you know, two people who we're very familiar with here in Detroit. He was a man with 360-something patents, I believe that it was. He revolutionized six different industries. He's changed how we look at music. He's changed how we shop uh, with, his, with his iPhones and iPods, his Apple stores. He's changed movies with his Pixar studios. He's changed how we use devices. He changed the computing world. One writer said he took the geekiest thing that you could imagine, technology, and he made technology technology cool, and now everybody is a part of the technology world. Steve Jobs lived an incredibly successful life if you think about everything that he'd done. i got to be honest with you. I'm glad there was a Steve Jobs that lived in my lifetime and that created all the products that I get to use today. But it made me wonder, especially reading some of Steve Jobs' comments and his speeches he made when he was dying of liver cancer, it made me wonder because his speeches seemed to reflect he never thought he accomplished enough. He never thought he won enough. He never thought that he was good enough. And yet, I thought about this. How many of us have ever launched an organization that passed ExxonMobil as the wealthiest business in the world? 
How many of us revolutionized six different industries? How many of us are worth more than $7 billion? And how many of us have been named the CEO of a decade? Anybody in here that you could come close to any of those achievements? And yet, Steve Jobs was saying it was enough. If you remember the movie Schindler's List, and at the end of the movie when Schindler was looking at the ring on his hand and weeping because he'd done everything he could do to save as many Jews as possible, he said, I could have sold this ring and maybe saved one more. I've been at the bedside of any number of people when they went to heaven or when they've died and not had peace. And I'm constantly having these conversations with people as they get ready to go meet God. As they say to me, Pastor, have I done enough? Have I, have I worked hard enough? Was I good enough? Pastor, what about this or what about that? They've talked to me about their finances, their families, their, their tithing relationships, and I always come back to the same conversation with every one of them. It's not how much I do for God. It's how much God has done for me. That's what makes grace so marvelous. Can we give him a hand of praise this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. So it got me to thinking, how much success is enough? How much winning is enough if you're Michigan State? How much talent is enough if you're as talented as Pastor Mark or Becky or Dan or any of these folks on the stage? How attractive is attractive enough? One night I heard my wife and her sisters talking about George Clooney. How much more attractive you have to be. So I just stood outside the door, and yes, I eavesdropped, and no, I'm not apologizing for it. I heard one of them say, her name happens to be Rebecca, he's so cute, he's worth dying for. And I thought, oh, gag me with a spoon, you know? <laughs> and yet, how much, you know, I, and when I walked through the airport yesterday, my flight got delayed two different times, and so I'm walking through the airport stores, you know, just kind of scanning magazine covers there's all these beautiful people and they're perfect and i thought about what i said to the lord the other day about this aging sagging decaying rotting body and there are these perfect people on these magazines as i looked at that i thought how good looking do you have to be that's why this series of messages have been so extremely important because in the world you never win enough in the world, you're never wealthy enough. In the world, you're never attractive enough. In the world, you're never enough. But in Christ, who is more than enough, he makes you more than enough, makes you free from sin, saves you, washes you with his blood, and makes you ready for heaven. Can we give him one more hand of praise this morning? I think why grace is such an unpopular message with so many people is because the word grace originally came, and I, I've had these conversations many times as well. The word grace originally came from the Greek, and it meant to come along and help someone that was weak. It meant to come along and help someone who couldn't help themselves. It meant you were the stronger, you were the more successful, you were the wealthier, you were the more powerful. You were everything that the world wants to be, rich, talented, you know, powerful, influential. You were a winner. You were all these things that 
Steve Jobs and Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, you know, aspired to be, and yet one day out at the Ford Estate, <clears throat> one of the docents told me he died feeling like he'd never accomplished enough and really was so disenchanted with all that he had accomplished. There's a little treehouse, if you've been to the Ford Estate, there was a little treehouse that he used to go up to and would sit in that treehouse, according to the docent, wishing he could go back to a simpler lifestyle like he enjoyed as a child because his life had become so complicated. You know, it never is enough. But that's what the Greeks saw as success was that you were the stronger, <clears throat> so you offered grace. Grace is that word that says when you are given something you don't deserve. And I've had these conversations at places like Kate's Kitchen and Flat Rock. I've had them at the old big boy when it was down in Flat Rock. I've had them here in, in Brownstown at the Big Bear or Pipers. I've had them at Starbucks or McDonald's. I've had them right here in the church with people when they come to me and they say, you know, how much is enough? How can I win? Or is, is it true that if you're a Christian that religion has become a crutch? Religion is not my crutch. But Jesus is my salvation. And if you want me to admit I'm weak and I can't make it on my own, then yes, I'll admit that. Happily, I can't make it on my own. If you want me to admit this morning that I'm not good enough for heaven, I will happily admit that I'm not good enough for heaven. If you want me to admit I'm not smart enough, I'll happily admit that I'm not smart enough because I have a champion, I have a Lord, and I'm willing to give all the glory and honor to him, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's what revolutionized the world when Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the doors of the Wittenberg Church. I told myself I wouldn't get too excited this morning, so I have a place here in my notes down that says, don't holler. So I'm just calming down. You see, God is graceful. God is graceful. My wife has taken me to places I would have never gone when I was single. She took me to the ballet. And I stood there, and I thought, thank God I'm a country boy. <laughs> As I watched those men and women dancing across my, that stage, and my wife was leaning over, isn't that beautiful? And I go, uh-huh. She says, isn't this marvelous? I go, uh-huh. Later she said, were you lying? I said, uh-huh. <laughs> she says, but weren't they graceful? There was my opportunity. I said, no, graceful is what God is. He's full of grace and he's full of glory. I agree with Newton this morning. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. It was grace my fears relieved. It was grace that came to me and made real these words. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Would you read that out loud with me this morning? The Lord is gracious and compassionate and slow slow to anger and rich in love. Let's give him one more hand of praise this morning. That's what God is. He's graceful. He brings into our lives everything that we need. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is Jesus shows me grace. Jesus shows me how grace lives, and Jesus shows me how grace dies. Jesus showed me how grace lives. 
Grace doesn't walk around going, oh, I helped this one. Oh, I healed this one. Grace doesn't go around, oh, I gave them what they have. But people who are grateful for grace, they love to give glory to God who has given them salvation. They love to give glory to God who has saved them or healed them or blessed them or given them the success that they enjoy in life. It's amazing to me that the way Jesus lived, he never bragged about himself. He never boasted about himself. We live in a pretty boasty world, don't we? I mean, watch after a football game or watch when an athlete scores and the way they dance and the way they show themselves, we clap, we cheer them on because we want to celebrate that moment with them. And as they boast, we have this little vicarious experience because I would like to think I could run that football like that. I would like to think I could hit a home run like that. I would like to think that I was that talented, that strong, that rich, that powerful, that influential and we have this vicarious experience, but Jesus never does that. Jesus comes along and he'll heal somebody and say, now don't tell anybody. Jesus will come along and he will forgive someone and he'll save them and he'll just simply love them and move on with what he's got to do. And the people that really know God, the people that have been grace-filled because God is graceful, they end up giving all the glory and the honor to God. But Jesus also shows me how to die. And when I've been at those bedsides and held those hands so many times in almost 50 years of ministry and saying amazing grace and Jesus loves me and prayed with those who wanted with their last minute breaths to give glory to God. Because of live streaming, I won't call his name, one of the more successful members of the Downriver community that gave his heart to Jesus one day here at the church and a weekday came to see me and we talked, we became friends, we soon were having lunch together and owned a huge business, owned quite a bit of real estate, had one of the finest homes in Downriver, had places on the Detroit River, loved to worship this church loved to lift his hands, loved to sing with us. Only got to live about three and a half years after he gave his heart to Jesus and worshiped with us, but I never saw such a demonstration of a man so full of the love and the grace of God. Sometimes I meet people who knew him and we sit down and we talk about him and talk about his accomplishments and his achievements and they say, you know, right at the end of his life, he became very religious. And I go, no, he wasn't religious. He had met Jesus. And Jesus showed him how to really live those last three and a half years of his life. And he died too soon. But he also showed him how to die. For at Henry Ford Hospital downtown in the intensive care as I held his hand, and he looked at me and he says, Pastor, are you sure? And we'll just call him Tom this morning. I said, Tom, it's not whether or not I'm sure. It's whether or not the Bible is true. It's whether or not God is true or God is a liar. It's whether or not the faith that you have in Christ 
is that real? And those big eyes filled with tears, you go, oh, it's true, it's real. And we wept and we cried. And before I got home, he slipped into the presence of Jesus. You see, grace, when you look at the life of Jesus, it shows you how to live, but it shows you how to die. Look at John 1.17 with me this morning. For the law was given through Moses, and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was to prepare us. The law was to get us ready. It's the reason that sometimes people make a mistake when they read the law. There's nothing wrong with the law. It shows us how to live and how to treat one another. It shows us how to respond to God. There's nothing wrong with the law, but the problem was that all of a sudden when people begin to keep rules, they think it's the rules that save them. They think it's the keeping the rules that save them. But Paul is very clear, and this is what Luther got, and this is what exposed the corruption and the demonic heresy that invaded the body of Christ in the 1500s, is when people thought it was works or giving money that made them right with God, as Luther read and he posted on October the 31st, those 95 truths, as he published those things for us, suddenly he saw what we should have seen all along from Romans chapter 8, that the things I want to do, I don't do, the things that I wish to do, I, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, who can help me? Who can deliver me? And then right into Romans 8, he goes, but thanks be to God who delivers us. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. And Paul spends a whole book, 16 chapters, 60% of it, telling us why it's grace, and then 33% of it showing us how to live it out, and the last 1% thanking everybody that it helped him. And God wants you to understand grace and not take it for granted and not just think it's a song that drunks sing or not just think it's a song that people with mental health problems sing and not think that it's just a song that religious people sing and not think that it's just a song that people like me like to sing and not think that it's just a song that we sing at a funeral. We sing it because God is graceful and Jesus brought the grace of God to us so that we could know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Can we give him one more hand of praise? Next, God wants you to know it's a gift. You can't earn it. It's just a gift. I love gifts. I, I don't mind admitting that. I love gifts, but I enjoy giving them so much more. I, I, I love to get a card. I Like you, I love to be, you know, things to, to come my way as a surprise. But giving, that's so much more fun. And yet there are times when I find myself wanting to give and I have nothing to give from that this particular need has. And I found myself one night in Dhaka, Bangladesh. I was coming back. I had just finished ministry all day long in some of the most horrible places that you could imagine. I sat with people that were so dirty by water they drank and bathed in that was greener than the carpet in this church. I, I helped bathe the diseased people's bodies. We, we built fires out of, out of dung. We had food right off of that. And, and just I came back as was driven back into town, and I walked into to the little hotel that I was staying at, and I collapsed in front of the elevator, and I said, God, how do we meet the need of a broken world? 
And the Lord says, you don't meet the need, I meet the need, and I use people like you to do that. And literally on the floor in front of a creaky little elevator, I had a revelation. Grace wasn't just a gift that saved me, but grace is a gift that allows me to give my life like Jesus gave his life in loving and serving others. Look at this verse with me, if you would, this morning. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So when I give of my time, when I give of my talent, when I give of my testimony, when I, when I give of, of my treasure, when I give of anything that God has blessed me with, I'm only sharing what God has given to me. I'm only giving what God has given to me. It's a gift. It's how we live our lives. I don't know if Steve Jobs was graceful. Even when I read his book, I find myself struggling with all the, or not his book, but the books about him. I find myself struggling with all the quirks in his personality. There was a wonderful guy, according to the book, and I've read some about him, named Steve Wozniak. Wozniak would have never sold a thing. Wozniak would have given it all away. Wozniak said it was Jobs that taught him how to build a business. And, and Jobs and his friend, Steve Wozniak, had a lot of tension between them. Because Jobs, even though he was this uber-talented guy, this uber-successful guy, this uber-winning guy, he never saw his gifts of business and marketing and design, nor the gift of his friends like Wozniak. He never saw the gift of his friends and their talents and strength as something that you do to, to help others. It was just a way, ultimately, to win. Have you ever heard, do whatever it takes to win? Do what, you know, cut corners, cheat, lie, whatever. Graceful people don't do that. Graceful people don't fear getting caught by the IRS. Graceful people don't fear getting caught by the police. Graceful people just don't fear because when you receive grace, your heart fears one and one alone, and that's God. And that's part of what Newton was getting at. Grace taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved don't miss that grace taught my heart to what to fear a life without God to fear the sin that is in each and every one of us I don't want to go negative but I know how easy it is for Christians and churches to somehow or another begin to think, I don't need to hear this. Lost people need to hear this. But let me just kind of go through a list of words. Pride, lust, arrogance, hate, racism, prejudice, boasting, bragging. If I was to keep going down this list Deceit, 
cunning, manipulative. If I was to keep just building a list of negative words like that that we really don't want to hear, fear, torment. If I was to keep going down this list, would any of that begin to strike home to your heart? It did to the Apostle Paul. That's the reason he wrote Romans 7 and 8. But grace, my fears, relieve because that continual battle that each and every one of you and me have with sin, grace, my fears, relieved. So that the Bible says, and if you'll put up the next verse, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. And Abba is not a Swedish pop group. Abba means daddy. Say that out loud with me. Daddy. Say it again. Daddy. A new grandfather called me last week and says, Pastor, what do your grandsons call you? I said, they call me Papa. He says, is that what you wanted to be called? I said, I just wanted to be called something. It took long enough. I love Papa. Papa's great. And so my boys get on the phone, my grandboys get on the phone, Papa, Papa, Papa. Sometimes they'll call and, you know, they'll go, Papa, Papa. And I says, does your mama know you're calling? No, Papa. And so we talk, I love it, and I never tell on them. Last night, Chris and Rachel called, and they held the phone up, and I know now why they held the phone up. Little bear was going, da-da, 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 like that, just over and over in the phone. And Rachel turned the phone on Chris. He's grinning like a goat eating briars. I mean, he is so happy. His first words were, da-da. You see, when you know God and your heart is filled with grace, suddenly it's not that you've lost reverence for God, but you have this new intimacy with God. And so I just want to close this little talk on why grace is so important and why we've been looking at this all month is because grace is for you and grace is for me. God's gift is for you and for me. Steve Jobs died a very wealthy man, left his family economically in a good place, left us with technology like this in a very good place. Steve Jobs left... The music industry changed. CD stores and blockbusters have gone out of business because people now just download music and download movies. The lady sitting next to me on the plane yesterday wasn't watching a football game. She was watching a movie on her device. Just had downloaded a whole movie. And, and I know for you younger folks, that's like old school, but I looked at that and go... That is so cool. We can carry, if you've got an iPhone or a, one of them other kind of phones, you know, you can carry a whole movie in your pocket. And so I got to talking to her. And she goes, oh, I have a lot of movies on here. She's carrying entire MJR in her pocketbook. I mean, Steve Jobs changed the world. But one day, nobody will be talking about Steve Jobs. 2,000 years from now, if Jesus tarries that long, nobody will be talking about Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak 
or Henry Ford or Thomas Edison, but they will all be talking about Jesus Christ. And they will all be talking about the grace of God. And here's what you need to know. The promise, the Bible says, the promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. And the promise is to those who enter into the faith of Abraham. Would you stand with me? And I want to explain what that means to you. And then I'm going to ask you to exercise that faith. What does it mean? Let me go back to the law. And I hope that you will leave here with a better understanding of grace this morning. Let me go back to the law. The law was given hundreds of years after Abraham. Abraham wasn't saved because of the law. Abraham was saved because of grace. Now, if you remember the story of the sacrifice where God told Abraham to make a sacrifice, and then he had this vision of this, this split sacrifice. Abraham knew what that meant. In a pagan culture that he lived in, when the stronger made a covenant with the weaker. Now, don't miss this. When the stronger, the richer, the most influential, the winning one, the powerful one, when a king conquered another king, they would make a sacrifice, and then they would make a covenant or a treaty. And the one who had been defeated or the one who had been helped was called upon to walk between the halves of the sacrifice. And by walking between the halves of the sacrifice, he was praying that he would be ripped apart if he ever broke faith with that covenant. So when Abraham saw that, he expected that he was going to be called upon by God to walk through the sacrifice. But then to his amazement, God manifested himself in this wonderful vision of this flaming torch. And God was passing through the sacrifice, not Abraham. And the grace-filled one says, if I ever break my covenant of grace with you, may I be torn apart. May I lose my divinity. May I lose my power. May I lose my infinity. May I stop being God. No one else could make that claim. No one else could go to the cross and die for my sins and your sins because grace comes through Jesus Christ. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, church. Praise him this morning. Come on, praise him. Let that sink into you. Praise him this morning. Praise him, praise him. Think of what that means. May I be torn apart. May I no longer be God. If I break covenant with you, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose again on the third day. And Jesus will take us all home to glory one day. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Bless his holy name. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, Father... In the name of Jesus Christ, 
as we lift our hearts in praise to you today. God, we thank you for grace. We thank you for the ultimate sacrifice, not that we made, but that you made to save us from our sin. And so I'm asking you right now that each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus, that, Lord, we will have a new appreciation, a fresher appreciation of grace this morning. God, may we stop trying, Lord, to make it on our own, but may we seek to live and die like Jesus Christ. And now while every head is bowed and every eye is closed reverently and all the Christians are praying this morning, even those online, maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus or maybe you've wandered away from your faith in Christ or maybe you're watching this message online and today perhaps maybe you really understand why grace is so real to us and why that song Amazing Grace is still so powerful and influential. If something is happening in you and you know you're just not enough and you know you'll never be enough, there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. I want to win. But I can't be good enough for heaven and I can't solve my sin problem. Only Jesus can do that. Would you pray this prayer with me and pray it sincerely right now? I'm going to pray a phrase and then pause and you pray it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you that you are a graceful God. Thank you for showing me in Jesus how grace lives and how grace dies. And thank you for offering me this gift of grace this morning. So now, by faith, that means I trust you, I believe you. I confess my sins. I acknowledge to you all of my sins. You don't have to list them all out, but just say, God, I acknowledge my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. And I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask for the grace to live for the glory of God. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Boy, I'm telling you, if you did that right now, your sins have been washed away, and Christ has come into your heart. You say, Pastor Clanton, is that that simple? That's what the Bible says, and I believe the Bible, and God is changing your life. Pastor Corey is going to come. He's going to tell you a little bit more about what we'd like to do to help you. I'm going to ask you to be seated as Pastor Corey comes this morning and dismisses you. God bless you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. And if you prayed that prayer with Pastor today, we have a book that we'd love to give to you. As you exit, just stop by the crossing and ask for it. It will help you in your steps and understand what you've prayed and, and uh, how you continue to Go on your journey. And if you're online right now and you pray that prayer with us, we'd love to send you that book as well. If you would email us at info at woodland.church, let us know you prayed that prayer. We can be praying for you as well, and we'd love to send it to you as well today.
Well, once again, thank you for joining with us. And um, if you have offering in your hands or, or a communication card or anything like that, please make sure you drop it into the offering baskets as you're leaving. And don't forget, hang out following here, uh, our Fall Fest, and enjoy the food and the games and the candy. And if you don't like candy, just grab some anyways and just bring it to me, okay? God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.